Okay, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. I'll start with a quick update on what's happening down here in Albury, New South Wales, Australia. Last Thursday, we had an amazing dinner event at a local restaurant, Yardbird. Uh, We had four courses of Wolke Farm regenerative produce, all deliciously cooked up by the team uh, at Yardbird. And we had two talks and and Jake gave a really good overview of regenerative farming and the ethos of the Wolke Farm. And uh, I talked about the Australian dietary guidelines and really gave some evidence to make, uh, make us think that maybe these guidelines aren't in promoting good health and maybe they're not, uh, serving to reduce the rates of obesity or, or make people healthier. In fact, I presented a, a fair bit of evidence to to the exact contrary. So thank you for everyone who came to that event and it was fantastic to, to meet so many uh, interesting people who all share a common interest in improving their health and supporting regenerative agriculture uh, and helping create a, a more sustainable and more regenerative um, environment and uh, for, for them and and the soil and their community. So the next uh, event that we'll, we'll, that I'll be hosting will be the Optimal Fertility Workshop and, and that will also be at, at uh, Walkie Farm. Uh, if you're interested in, in this event, it is basically a lifestyle optimization day and a workshop and, and I'll be covering four areas of that I believe are, are critical to Getting, getting people, getting women, getting men ready prior to, to even conceiving. And, and I'll be talking about metabolic health, nutrition, uh, circadian health, and, and toxins with, a, with an emphasis on the, the endocrine-disrupting uh, toxins. So uh, if you're interested, head on to uh, Walkie Farm slash events or follow my social uh, media posts. Uh, links and you can buy tickets to that event. I'm really looking forward to presenting some information that I don't think or haven't seen uh, in the public domain. Uh, and yeah, it's it's going to be great. So looking forward to see you there. For this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Robert Kiltz. Now he is a endo- uh, obstetrician and gynecologist uh, and a reproductive endocrinologist of more than 20 years experience. So he knows what he's doing and he's deeply uh, seen both sides of both the conventional medical approach and a more lifestyle approach. So he has uh, went through his own health journey and is now uh, treating his patients or recommending his patients adopt a very low carbohydrate ketogenic or carnivore diet. And as you'll learn in this this discussion, he's having amazing uh, benefits and results in terms of improving uh, women's fertility, um, reducing or reversing polycystic ovary syndrome, endometriosis, uh, and a range of other conditions and and helping couples fall pregnant. So uh, Dr. Kiltz, uh, this was an, a very, very interesting discussion. He was a, um, uh, a very, very interesting, in, interesting uh, doctor. So please enjoy the podcast. And if you are enjoying the content, it, it really does help uh, if you're able to leave a review on Apple Podcasts uh, or um, subscribe and share the podcast widely. So thanks again for, for all your support. Thanks for listening. Um, looking forward to uh, yeah, continuing to deliver some fascinating content um, and interviewing some fascinating people. So thank you very much. And here's to the podcast now. Hey, Dr. K, very excited to sit down and, and talk with you this evening. Uh, you are someone who I have has been on my radar for a while and really interestingly and fascinatingly blending two of my interests, which is very low carbohydrate and carnivore uh, dieting and fertility and re- reproductive health. So um, let's launch straight in. Um, can you tell us a bit of, about yourself and yeah, how you got to where you are? I'm a fertility physician that's been practicing for over 30 years. Um, I own and run CNY Fertility Centers. Um, I went into uh, medicine to help people. 
Um, I initially did uh, internal medicine for a year and then OBGYN and then reproductive endocrinology and, and uh, infertility. Um, standard practice of medicine for years. And um, probably around 20 plus years ago, I uh, kind of tripped over Atkins and then paleo. Uh, and I shared that with my, my clients to help them uh, reduce inflammation and heal. At the same time, I was integrating a lot of Eastern medicine, massage, acupuncture, prayer, meditation, things like that. Um, and about um, 12 to 15 years ago, keto and then carnivore came into my radar. And I was like, okay, uh, this is amazing because I personally suffered arthritis, psoriasis, bowel bleeding, uh, migraines, kidney stones, and they went away after about a month on carnivore. And that got me to digging deep and trying to understand the cause of disease. And maybe we've got nutrition completely incorrect. And uh, I did it personally and I wrote, write books on it. I blog about it and I talk about it because it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen is how carnivore and fasting reduces inflammation and helps people heal almost every disease. And the foundation of life is reproduction. And I've seen such benefits to uh, keto, but carnivore mostly. Yeah. And it's fascinating how the, for people who feel great when they cut out the, the commodity foods, the processed foods, um, they, they're feeling fantastic. Maybe they're doing a paleo or, or a low carb. Yet it seems like there's another gear above that that can be achieved when the plant foods and what seems to be a pretty clean diet is, is gone even further to a carnivore type diet. Is that, that was your experience uh, personally. Um, what do you think about that? Well, well, right. Many people do well on paleo and keto, which are essentially um, high fat diets, but those are labeled diets. Human beings have sort of invented those, I, those terms, paleo and keto. Uh, but ultimately, we evolved out of a carnivore diet, which is meat animal-based consumption, very little to no plants in our nutrition. And understand the science, there's no plant product that's essential to the human diet, none. Yet, fat from animals and, and amino acids or proteins for animals are pretty much essential and we've been convincing humanity to not eat plant, not eat animals or meat, and the diseases are on the rise, and so is reproductive dysfunction. And and so, uh, basically, plants I call them the predators, and we're the prey. And plants contain all sugars, which are glycating and toxic to our body. Uh, they contain chemicals and antigens and fiber that ferment, and all of that damages our gut. And so if you really just get down to the nitty-gritty, the simplicity of it all, it, it's quite amazing. An ultimate elimination diet is going to be, uh, be animal-based, uh, lion's diet, the lion's way, which is uh, meat, salt, and water, which eliminates the number one toxins, which all come from plants. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's been my experience that using carnivore dieting um, as a tool, a therapeutic tool with, with my patients for, for weight loss is, is incredibly powerful. Um, but what you're putting, what I'm, uh, what you're doing for your patients, your fertility patients, I'm presuming is you're putting them on a, on a carnivore diet. And what are you seeing in terms of their fertility when you exclude these plant foods? Well, I believe that obesity is not the cause of any medical condition. It's a side effect of a high sugar plant-based diet and low animal fat diet. But I offer keto and carnivore. Keto is, is again, high fat, low carbs, uh, um, and focuses, some people can eat they eat some plants uh, and because it's the easiest for people to sort of get wrapped their head around. Well, how can I not eat any plants? But I talk about keto, but I really get right down to carnivore, a one-to-one -one fat to protein. 
uh, which is which is critical. And I I I've books written on it, uh, keto books, carnivore books, uh, which I share with people because again I I ask people their history, their ages, how long they've been trying to get pregnant, uh, any medical problems, and I ask them about their 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 weight and size, height and weight, just to kind of get a sense because the heavier you are the more likely you are to be really in the plant-based world and a lot of inflammation and damage to the gut. Uh, the leaner you are, it, it's a little sneaky. Size doesn't matter. Uh, but And then I ask people, what do you eat? Because you want to ask them what they eat. And usually it's healthy, organic, or I eat only junk food. But I want to know exactly what you eat and when do you eat it. And that gives me clues to the cause of all their disease. And so I've seen inflammation, weight drop. You know, so many people are just interested in, in how they look, but, but it's not how you look. It, it ultimately turns out to be how you feel and the, the function of the Ferrari, right? So if you look and feel healthy, yet you're not reproducing you're not healthy and there's some inflammation. And so, you know, the more we tell the story to bring us to a point where it makes sense, but the propaganda has said you got to eat fruits and vegetables. And that's the word, the word label healthy is put in front of every phrase, healthy, this healthy, that, which is ultimately propaganda. It's not even true, but, but I've seen, I've seen weight loss. I've seen PCOS, metabolic syndrome, endometriosis go away. And I've seen male sperm improve, female eggs improve, embryos and pregnancy happen even naturally on this lifestyle. Mm. And it, it reminds me of this, the thought of an objective marker of health, like the, and the subjective feeling, the objective feeling. And for fertility, nothing, I guess, is as powerful in my mind as having a regular painless period in terms of an indicator that things are working well. What would you, what do you think about that? Well, there are so many young women who are entering their, their, their menstrual cycles. That's called menarche when they began having menstrual cycles. But even before that, when they begin to develop uh, breast development and hair development uh, and their, their shapes change, which is the sign of on, on, uh, 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 coming uh, reproduction, it's happening earlier due to what I believe are the plant phytoestrogens. There's a lot more androgenization, testosterone, even in the plants, which are causing women to even delay their reproduction or get more, more male uh, side effects. But and then when they get their periods, there's already a lot of inflammation that's damaged the uterus that's caused adenomyosis, endometriosis, and polycystic ovarian syndrome, where they don't ovulate regularly. They have very painful periods. And I believe it's all secondary to that plant-based diet and lean meat diet. We've got to remember that it's fatty meat that is really carnivore, not lean meat. So you want to add more fat to the to the Ferrari in order to reduce inflammation and heal properly uh, in all of this. But um, yeah, it's happening to younger and younger uh, women uh, and girls uh, where they're getting, again, their, their earlier menstrual cycles, they're more painful, irregular, heavy bleeding, uh, along with depression, anxiety, uh, mental uh, 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 difficulties in life, uh, ADHD, OCD, depression, which are all related to the same cause, which is a plant-based low animal fat diet. Yeah. And, and it's so sad because this has become normalized. I mean, people are used to, and gun girls are used to having to take non-steroidal anti-inflammatories around that menstrual cycle. They're used to um, going in and asking for the contraceptive pill or some kind of contraception. And it seems like that the medical paradigm or the medical establishment is all too happy to provide a hormonal um, off button to that, that body alarm rather than treat the underlying cause. Well, and that's because 
we're not taught the cause. We're simply, we're, we're taught the differential diagnosis of disease and then the, the, the plan treatment, which usually incorporates drugs. Uh, and then it always goes to a healthy diet, which is lots of fruit, fiber, vegetables, seeds, nuts, lean meat, little to no red meat. So in actuality, the diet recommendations that we're giving are actually the cause of the disease. And so the, our, our, our community, our children, our family members uh, are, are basically being driven down the wrong direction. So no matter what they do, they're going to get worse. Uh, they're going to become suicidal, depressed, ADHD. Uh, they're going to have many surgical procedures to try to fix the problem when in fact uh, we're causing it. And you're right. Uh, the birth control pill, the abortion pill, um, uh, antidepressants, uh, uh, Adderall for ADHD. Uh, we're a drug-driven uh, diatribe of, of, of the wrong direction, essentially. Again, I'm not blaming doctors. Uh, really, it's the global message that a plant-based diet is good for you that is driving all of us. And doctors are caught in the same problem. But uh, my job as a doctor is to educate other doctors on these ideas that maybe we've got the wrong diet. And we call, most diseases are idiopathic, unknown cause. And, and yet what I've found is actually that's not true. It's simply caused by the wrong diet for a human being, which is more like a lion than it is like a pig cow and a sheep. Yeah. And um, for the listeners, I think maybe the, the best paper that really simply illustrates that was one by Mickey Bendor and uh, Raphael Satoli called, um, I believe it was called the uh, trophic level of the human in, in the Pleistocene. And that was using uh, stable isotopes to really uh, – of samples of bones to really plot the humans on, as a, as they related to other animals on a trophic level, and I believe it, it, there was at one period um, in the Paleolithic where we were found to be seventy percent basically hypo carnivores, where seventy percent of our diet was meat. Um, so I think there's scientific evidence that kind of justifies what Dr. K is seeing and I am seeing in the clinic, which is when you put a patient on an exclusion diet these massive range of symptoms just seem to disappear. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the challenge obviously is we're, we're always trying to answer what did we eat before? And it, it is, it is overwhelmingly obvious that the majority of our nutrition was animal based. Uh, plants are highly toxic uh, and finding the right one to eat. That's not going to kill you. Wasn't so simple. Uh, in our ancient past. Uh, likely, there was a lot more large uh, uh, ruminants in the world and, and animals roaming the world that we had. And there were more, far fewer humans. So uh, we, we figured out how to make the tools, how to utilize hunting practices similar to wolves and lions, which I believe were, were really truly more like wolves and lions. And but but ultimately, even if you think we were a high plant eater at one point, it's somewhat irrelevant because we're trying to figure out the cause of disease today. And, and ultimately, there's only one experiment that's required, and that's you. And so if you're looking for the scientific prospective randomized double-blind placebo-controlled study to answer it, it's never going to happen. Yeah, uh, because the propaganda is powerful, and you've got to be you've got to be your 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 individual life learner, but you've got to do the own, your own experiment on yourself, which is ultimately what I did. Yeah, I tried every drug, and as you said, we're really great at writing drugs, and sometimes it's like, well, it's just normal, you know. I had 
aspirin, Motrin. Uh, I had uh, uh, antiemetics. I had uh, things for gastrointestinal problems. You name it, I had the drug. And when I finally went carnivore, it took me two years to realize that I haven't taken any of those drugs. And I'm like, wow. And so, again, don't believe me one bit. But if you're suffering and you want to do the number one challenge is eliminate plants and focus on fatty meat. And I believe one meal a day is the very best way. And you will feel and know the difference. And people will be like, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you look amazing. Your energy is amazing. And I can see the, the vibrant color uh, and, and, and uh, energy that you have. That, that's a great point to maybe share with the listeners your exact approach. And you've, you've got a, a mnemonic that kind of hits on the kind of groups that you like to uh, recommend. Well, I call it the baby's way. Since as a fertility doctor, uh, bacon, eggs, butter, beef, and salt. Now, there's an I in the babies, uh, again, B-E-B-B-I-S, and intermittently feasting and kilts as ice cream. Because life is not meant to be tortured. Uh, you got to reward and treat from time to time. We drive cars. We fly planes. We do plenty of dangerous things in the world. So this isn't to say, boy, you better never eat a plant. You better never drink an alcohol. Uh, it and, and cookie cake and ice cream from time to time, fruit and honey from time to time. But most of the time, for me, it's one meal a day at night. It's, it's meat fatty meat, salt and water. I may put a little bit of butter on it. And that is the, the strongest nutritional way you can do it. And, but again, uh, you're going to find your own individual way, but we are nearly identical as human beings. Our DNA is nearly identical all around the globe. And so every organ system or body pretty much works the same way our cells work the same way. So we have to realize that our body needs lots of oxygen, right? Not too much though, and not too little. There's a sweet spot for that too. Um, and then a little bit of water. I, I love Gerol Steiner, but you know, a great mineral water I think is good. And then you need fat and a little bit of protein. You do not need a lot of protein. Um, so I try to keep it simple. I could eat steak, salt, and water every single day. Just like most other animals in the world, they're eating the same diet every day. Variety is deadly, in my opinion. Mm. And and I, I like how you included that occasional, um, you know, fruit and honey. Because from from my, my point of view, I, I think that it is appropriate to cycle in and out of different metabolic modes. And I, I personally think remaining in a, in a very low-carb, carbohydrate state with carnivore as the default is is the most appropriate but maybe seasonally when there's something like um honey available cycling that and really oiling up that that carb or that glucose burning machinery is is important in, in my mind how do you can you can you explain or you, what your experience has been with women particularly doing a, a very low carbohydrate and and maybe intermittent um, fasting because there is a, a belief i think within lifestyle medicine circles that women aren't suited for for that those approaches well in our ancient past we didn't have a cupboard refrigerator or snack foods to carry around and there wasn't a quick stop around the corner we likely went days if not weeks without food plenty of times in our environment uh most in animals have times of fasting, uh, depending on winter time or nesting time or hibernation time or migratory times. Uh, I do not believe that women and men are metabolically different. We are the same. But remember, we're still the propaganda of Oh, you gotta you gotta eat in order to maintain your energy and your metabolic. Uh, a machinery moving. So number one is sugar glucose is never the energy for the mitochondria. It's always fatty acids 
that break down into acetyl-CoA. Sugars must go to the liver and via insulin be converted to fat. So when we talk about metabolic flexibility, I think we're wrong. There is no metabolic flexibility. You can't breathe air and breathe water. We breathe only air. And you burn only fat. And so women and men are the same in their metabolic processes. Now, it may be, and it is true, I believe, that women carry a little more fat in their bodies because of reproduction. One is you have to have enough fat to have a normal menstrual cycle. Two is when a woman is pregnant, hyperemesis is common in the first trimester. Hyperemesis is nature's way of saying, do not eat because we have to allow this beautiful fetus to implant and grow enough in order to have a good, uh, a good hold on its future. Plant sugars glycate. Plant hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and the abortion pill is initially made from plants. I think are highly toxic and deadly to the egg sperm embryo and the early implanting embryo. So I think the fat allows more fasting, days to weeks of fasting. Look at penguins and look at polar bears, look at many bears and look at many other organisms that hibernate or nest or migrate they burn only fat. So having more fat is better. When you add the plants, remember, when we talk about sugar glucose, we're talking about plants. Again, people think, well, sugar or fruit or honey. It all comes from a plant. Plants, I believe, are the predators and we're the prey. They utilize us quite readily. Plants make heroin, cocaine, marijuana, nicotine, caffeine. And so that's why I think that, that, that hibernation and nesting and fasting are critical. And if you're not fat in a famine or in the pestilence and diseases of the world uh, or in early reproduction, uh, you will lose your your reproductive potential, you'll miscarry, abort that baby, it'll cause birth defects, or you and yourself and that and that fetus may die. Mm. That's an interesting story or the interesting interpretation of the role of hyperemesis uh, in, in human physiology. I've got a story, a, a local, uh, a good friend of mine, a regenerative farmer, sells really high quality meat in, in the town that I'm living in. And he had a customer come up to her to him, and she was in her first trimester, extremely bad hyperemesis, just vomiting all the time. And she said to him, Jake, the only thing I can eat is your eye fillet raw. That's all I can eat. And that was the only food that she could keep down. So um, talk a bit more about why exactly the body would be putting uh, a woman through such a, a period of, of nausea and vomiting. Well, so um, number one is the drive in the world today is to be skinny, isn't it? Mm. Every woman and even men want to be skinny and built, but that's not what any other animal wants. It wants fat. And so, uh, but, but we didn't have the access to three to six meals a day, which essentially makes us over fat. And then the sugars cause the damage, cause the disease. But um, again, the protective mechanism, and there was just an article in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal of a, of a physician at, I think it's USC Keck uh, Research Institute in Los Angeles, um, that basically suffered from severe hyperemesis. I apologize, I don't remember her name. Uh, and, and she's done research on this. And she even spoke of the same concept that hyperemesis is a protective mechanism to prevent eating 
the, either the wrong foods or any food in that early first trimester. Just think about it. Um, what are we born for? We're born for reproduction. We're not born to be doctors or bloggers or 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 any job in the world. We're we're born to find food, find shelter, protection, and reproduction. That is really it. All right. And so my bet is many and most animals spend plenty of time resting and digesting and resting and gestating. So there's no reason to go exercising ever to burn calories, to be skinny, to deplete your fat stores, which are the fetal foods. And so hyperemesis is in our, in our plant-based toxic food environment. Hyperemesis is on the rise. But the problem is so many of those women are ultra skinny. So they don't have the backup in order to thrive and survive. A baby is actually grown from your fat stores. You don't require any food as long as you have plenty of fat stores. And plenty of animals gestate for whatever the number of months of their gestation, and they lose fat. They don't lose bone or muscle mass at all, and they don't eat. So I believe we have to relook at what is the normal weight. Our BMI measurements are way too low, I think. And and I take care of plenty of high BMI women who have babies by simply going keto or carnivore, and they don't lose much weight. Uh, and again, the overweight patients are prepared for hyperemesis. The underweight women are not prepared. But again, mm-hmm. it's a... It's a survival mechanism to not eat, and I, I keep my 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 plastic plant nearby, not to <laughs> eat the poisonous plants. They're yeah. all poisonous. Yeah, I don't care. Lettuce, salad, carrots, asparagus, uh, every fruit, and even honey. So I don't recommend fruit or honey of any significance or frequency, even seasonally. Mm, okay. I mean, what would you? My, I I like to think about fermentation as a one method of inactivating or at least highly reducing the toxicity of certain plants in, in things like kimchi or sauerkraut. What, what's your opinion on including something like that in the diet? Well, if you look at it carefully through soaking, fermentation, cooking, and other methods of reducing and or eliminating the toxics in plants, we can consume them. So if you're choosing those foods, then fermentation or soaked uh, will provide the sugars with less toxicity. But don't be fooled to think there's no toxicity in there because you're still getting some toxins. And by eating a high plant-based diet and or simple sugars, you're feeding the microbes in your mouth, in your esophagus, in your GI tract, which ferment in your gut, correct? Yeah. And fermentation in your body makes alcohol, heat, methane gas, and aldehydes. So you're making fermentation products internally by supplying the gut with the sugars. And most plants come with live bacteria and yeast, which is providing the, the, the environment for fermentation in our body. So in general, look at food likely became harder to obtain. So you either you 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 risk starvation uh, or you risk sickness, but but the sickness was we were able to tame that in general because we figured out how to ferment and soak and uh, 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 you could take corn and uh, do things to it that makes it 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 more uh, uh, accessible and less toxic. Uh, but again, it still provides sugars which glycate and a 
high plant-based diet causes damage to our proteins, our, our, our mitochondria, our glycobiome, and the glycobiome of a human is different than the glycobiome of plants or bacteria or yeast or viruses. So those foreign glyco- glycans are damaging us also. Mm, yeah, and and I uh, I really um I agree, and I think that m- the adaption or the use of of plant based foods as an inferior energy source in the absence of access to animal fats, um, and that was a, a beneficial um, adaption that we had to go through, as you said, Doctor K, um, probably during a period of of leanness, and probably after the the extinction of megafauna, when suddenly we didn't have this smorgasbord of 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 nutrient dense animal fat, so we had to make do with in, inferior sources of of energy. The the most common retort to a position, um, you know, the the carnival position about the toxicity of plants is that there is a hormetic or beneficial effect of ingesting amounts of of phyto phytotoxins or, or plant compounds um, that is good for health. What's your opinion and take on on that position? I guess a little bit of heroin every day is okay. <laughs> so the problem is we don't know the cause of disease in our current paradigm of discussion, right? So heroin, cocaine, marijuana, nicotine, caffeine, cyanide, how much is okay? And and we're duped. Even alcohol. Oh, a glass of wine. The American Journal of OBGYN suggests a glass of wine for a pregnant or lactating woman a day. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. So I think we're simply trying to support our own addictions, all of us. Like I'm off coffee now for nine months. So when I used to drink coffee, oh, it's okay. Well, let's just say maybe it's less harmful. Maybe you feel good on it. It's a drug, right? Drugs make us feel good. But that doesn't mean it's good for us. And that doesn't mean it doesn't have some adverse effects in our body. Yeah. And my bet is, is again, we're, we, we are, Occam's razor says the simple answer is the one, right? Well, honey's good for you and fruit's good for you. Well, it makes you feel good. That doesn't mean it's good for you, right? We're, we're getting to a point where we want to support our own belief systems which, because we like to eat them and drink them. I mean, I have a, 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 an alcoholic drink once in a while. I might smoke a cigar with my buddies once or twice a year, right? It sits like this, right? Now, oh, I'd never do that. Well, I drive cars and how many people are killed in cars every year? You know, I go to a, I go to a concert, a big event, a, a game. Well, you know, that's risk of, of, of mass infection or, you know, mass suicide. All sorts of things can happen in this world. Yeah. But I would say hormesis is just uh, wanting to support our own belief systems and things that make us feel good. Ultimately, I think there's some toxins in them and that may be causing disease uh, that you and I might not realize. Yeah, no, and and I definitely agree that it seems uh, people are are very eager and very able to find all manner of justifications for their their habits that they enjoy doing, and addictions is definitely uh, uh, probably the the more correct word. Uh, I want to explore the the overfat and the fat that that you talked about because you said something really interesting, which was you believe that BMI BMI targets are too low, and what what we've obviously seen particularly over the past 50 years to 60 years, is that obesity rates have gone up dramatically. Um, And they are at the same time as a range of chronic diseases, at the same time of fertility falling. Um, Can you talk to the exact distinction of being perhaps over fat versus fat? What is a beneficial type of fat and what is the type of fat that you don't like to see as a doctor and as a fertility specialist? Well, I don't treat anyone as as fat or skinny. I I don't I don't claim that someone is is overweight and that's their problem. Because the cause of obesity is actually the directions that the nutritional world, the the healthcare world is actually telling people to eat 3 to 6 meals a day of mostly plant-based 
lean meat. So we're, we're giving everyone the actual direction to be obese. Uh, but what people don't understand is the fat they make is, is normal based on their diet, getting ready for a famine or fertility or disease or war or pestilence or something. The cause of obesity and the cause of disease is a plant-based three to six lean meat diets a day. And, and, and so if people realize that someone's walking down the street staggering, they're probably drunk because they drank alcohol. Well, if you're overweight, you're likely overweight because you ate food. Well, what food did you likely eat? People say junk food. I say, no, you ate a high plant-based, low animal fat diet, and you're eating three to six meals a day. So if I see someone simply go on a fast or go to carnivore in one to three to four weeks, they feel better. Their, 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 their pain goes away. Their menstrual cycles often begin to become regular after one to, to three months. So they didn't lose all their weight. And we know that gastric bypass is one of the worst surgeries in the world where people are doing st stomach stapling to make a smaller stomach, but that only lasts for a short amount of time because the drive of life is to eat food in order to get fat, in order to survive the famine. But never did we have access to three to six meals a day, every single day, your entire life. Yeah. And so if your bowels, think of the bowels between the esophagus and the rectum as a bag, a bucket. Did the majority of people ever have an empty bucket? No, not in any way, shape or form. No. So the bucket is full from the day you're born to the day you die. But what's it full of? It's full of plant material complex carbs. So that means you're secreting glucose to your bloodstream, the hepatic portal system all the time, correct? Correct. So that if your glucose is elevated, insulin is elevated, correct? Correct. Glucose and insulin in the liver make fat, fatty liver. Are you surprised? <laughs> no, not, not at all. No, we're not. Okay, and so now the fatty liver, the glycation due to the glucose, which is glycating and damaging the hepatic cells, now less hepatic cells are available for conversion of the sugars to fat. So now you're spilling more sugar into the bloodstream circulation. Now you're damaging every nook and cranny of your body. We call that diabetes. And then we call it the diabetic diseases, the liver, kidney, heart, eye, limb failure, due to glycation. Yeah. And so is obesity the cause of any disease? It is not. It's just a sign of the wrong directions for a human being. Because if you don't eat for six months and you're 300 pounds or 400 pounds, could you live healthy without eating for six months if you're excessively healthy, uh, heavy? Yeah, I mean, you with can. sufficient electrolytes and, and fluid. Water, water, and, and again, a bear that hibernates doesn't drink, piss, poop, eat for six months. What electrolytes is it getting? None. None. If, it's, if it's not, yeah. Our body makes water when it, when it takes, again, Fat is the only fuel for the mitochondria, not sugar. And I will bet a billion dollars on that one. Why would glucose have to be converted to pyruvate in order to then be converted to acetyl-CoA when you could take a fatty, a, a long-chain fatty molecule and cut it in two-chain particle and get acetyl-CoA at the speed of light? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And, and so obesity, I have plenty of obese women having babies because they simply went keto or carnivore or fasting for a few months and bingo, they get pregnant naturally. 
Yeah. Or it improves their egg or the guy's sperm when he does it. Better embryos in a better implantation environment to make babies. Yeah. So again, what if the story we're telling is wrong? Yeah. And the story is sugar's the energy for the mitochondria first and then fat, right? Yeah. Well, currently it is, yeah. What if that's wrong? Hmm. What if that's wrong? Yeah, I mean, and, and the- Insulin's job- mm. oh, Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, the empirical findings of putting these patients on these diets are in su- exactly support of what you're saying, which is that we see the resolution of disease. So, um, you know, if the- if it's like Wittgenstein's ruler. Are we measuring the table with the ruler or the ruler with the table? And if the hypothesis is incorrect, then is it incongruent with empirical findings? Then the hypothesis is wrong. So um, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I just wanted to make a, a distinction in terms of talking about obesity and specifically the visceral versus non-visceral fat. Because what, Dr. K, you've said about developing um, what is essentially metabolic disease and insulin resistance is a result of eating these plant-based foods, refined foods, um, and high-sugar diet. And when we fast or when we do a carnivore diet, the the, the visceral fat preferentially is is lost, and there, there's a resolution of the metabolic dysfunction. So, um, right, but but it's it, it's not the loss of the fat that causes it; it's the reduction in the plant antigens, the plant sugars, the plant chemicals and the fermentation of plant in your gut. So if you remove the toxins, you remove the disease. Because many of these people will heal in two to four weeks, their visceral fat doesn't go away. They still have it. Because visceral fat, I mean, I operate on people every day, they get plenty of visceral fat inside, even some skinny people have it. Again, fat is not the cause of disease. Plant sugars are. Plant chemicals are, plant antigens are, and the fermentation of the plants in the gut. Those are the four leading causes of disease because, again, we still focus on obesity and fat, but but it all depends on how long the famine is going, going to happen for. You know that, right? Yeah, keep going. Explain. And, and so and – so, uh, we're built to get fat for the famine. Uh, polar bears will not will not reproduce unless they're fat enough. They'll only have one uh, cub uh, if they're certain uh, certain size. As they grow in size, they have more uh, more polar bear babies. Okay, and so I think part of what I'm trying to do is change the paradigm of the conversation. Oh, you're obese. You're unhealthy. But that is not true. You're unhealthy not because of your obesity, because of your diet. It's like heroin every day, cocaine, marijuana, alcohol every day. Right? What does that do to people's health? And insulin resistance, by the way, I believe insulin resistance is, is as the liver damages, the liver function drops, the ability of the liver to convert sugars and amino acids to fat slows down. So the liver's function, primary function of the liver is to make fat, not to detox. Because you can't name a disease that the liver is not detoxifying, can you? That the liver isn't detoxifying. So everyone says the liver's main function is to detoxify the blood, correct? Mm. Yeah, yeah, inactivate range of dietary and other toxins, yeah. Well, what one toxins? Function. Name a disease. What's that? Yeah, yeah, so one function of the liver. I mean, that's in terms of what we're, what we're taught is that that's one function through the process of gluconidation and all kinds of other processes. Sure, go, but go on. In a in a two patients, in a type 1 diabetic and a liver failure patient, the liver does not make fat. And if you don't make fat, you die. Most human diets around the globe are fruit, fiber, vegetables, seeds, nuts, and lean meat. What's missing from that diet? Animal fat. 
animal fat. Plant oils, people do not eat a lot of plant oils. They sprinkle it on and they cook with it. They're not drinking gallons of, of, of plant oils, which I think are toxic personally, but ultimately, and they're industrially produced. Animal fat, one is, is the fuel for your body. Two, it suppresses inflammation in the bowels. And, and it's most satiating. If you eat the fat, you feel better. You reduce inflammation and you lose weight probably for a couple of reasons. One is you tend not to eat as much because you're more satiated. And two is the, the fat we eat is ingested through the lymphatics. So amino acids and sugars go to the hepatic portal system, go to the liver, but the fats go to the lymphatics, but they're, they're internalized via uh, the chylomicrons uh, that develop in the gut via bile and, and pancreatic lipase. Well, there's only so much bile and pancreatic lipase that's going to be excreted in any one moment or in any day. And probably you only have so much. So if you eat 10,000 gallons of, of fat, but uh, I bet it's mostly our satiation and we just stop eating because like I eat one meal a day in general, high fat with steak and my appetite goes down fast. Yeah. And look, we agree completely about the toxicity of plant oils and there is good evidence on a, on a biochemical point of view that the breakdown products of linoleic acid, um, including compounds like 4-hydroxynonanol, um, are directly toxic to our fat cells. They drive overeating in, uh, through the endocannabinoid system. Um, but I, I think that what the, the contribution to the impaired fertility and people who are eating these oils is through insulin resistance and is through the mitochond- the dysfunction of the fat cells specifically. So, I mean, going on, on carnivore is a, a, the umbrella solution because you're replacing and you're removing those type of oils completely from the diet. Um, and replacing them with a more satiating energy source. Well, well, the plant oils. Think of think of plant oils come with plant phytochemicals. Okay, so think about uh, 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 CBD. CBD oil comes with THC, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so every time you get a plant oil you're getting a plant phytochemical. Okay? Yeah, range of See, phytochemicals. I really think we're... What's that? A range of phytochemicals. You're getting phytosterols, you're getting all kinds of, yeah, phytochemicals. They're the toxins for a reproduction. Technically, not the fat directly. Again, I'm giving you what I believe is a slightly different take on it mm. because... Uh, I'm in the world of herbal medicine for years, and every herbalist wants to give a an essential oil, right, or an herbal medicine. Those come with phytochemicals, including estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, which are basically cholesterol in their 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 production. So they they easily. Are, are, are dissolved in fat and distributed everywhere. So again, when we blame the fat, we're, we're forgetting about plants and even some, some animals that you may eat, the animal could have consumed a plant. There's a journal called the USDA Journal of Plant Toxins and Poisoning. If you haven't seen it, you must. The, the livestock industry is very cognizant of plants that kill and damage and disrupt animals. But, but the, the industry doesn't care about the damage we get mm-hmm. because when the livestock is damaged, they lose money. But when we're damaged, someone makes, makes money, money. If that makes any sense. Yeah. That, I, I think that's a perfect segue and, into... Sorry, I oh go on. Did you have a, the rest of the point you were going to make? I, no, I was no, just. No. I, I think I think that was it. Yeah, I was going to ask you. That's a, a great segue because I've I've heard some very interesting takes on, I guess, the influence behind uh, 
the current system and and where we're at from a, a health and nutrition point of view. So so talk a little bit about what you've what you said earlier in the in the conversation about propaganda and I guess the narratives and how do we get to this situation where most people are eating plant foods most of the time um, and thinking that's the, the healthiest thing. Five percent of the lions are still lions. Ninety-five percent of the lions are now sheep. If a lion and a wolf is fed a plant, they become domesticated animals. That's called a dog and a cat. If humans are fed plants, they become a domesticated animal. A slave, a soldier, a peasant, and a prisoner. We will fall in line and stand in line to go to a concert, get beer, wine, whiskey, tobacco, coffee, tea, um, or listen to a concert. Be the lion. Eat like a lion. How did it happen? Well, look at eating plants is easy, easier than going out and killing an animal because I could just walk to a, an easy place and they got things I can eat right away. For some reason, some people are more, more susceptible to the antigens, the chemicals, and the sugars than other people. Why? I don't know. There's certain makeup. But ultimately, almost every single disease is caused by that plant-based diet. Um, making money and being powerful and controlling the universe, the kings, the queens, the pope, the priest, the president, the professors— and the physicians, all peas, by the way, uh, have a mission of I'm right and I'm here to tell you what to do, right? Now, I'm not here to blame anyone else because there's only one person responsible for my life, me. No matter what it is, no matter what troubles I have or anything that happens to me, I'm not here to blame anyone else. But social media is social medicine. This conversation is, is ways for every young man and woman every girl and boy, every child, every young and old to learn that we are lions that have been removed from the lion's den and put in the pig's pen. And the only way to take control is listen and learn, but then do something different. And there are plenty of plenty of vegans that are healthy and well and carnivores that are not so great. The, the why part of it is 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 always the conundrum, the yin and the yang. We're always there's always going to be the fight because that's the nature of the universe. But lions lead, and sheep be the feed for the lions. It's the same thing all around the globe. See the power struggles of the world, and and the nutritional industry and the doctor industry, the physician, all knows what's best for you. And. You got to be done with that. You got to take control. And since I became a carnivore, and 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 uh, I've I've written, I I, you know, I keep writing something new and different, keto, then carnivore, share ideas, and how people can maybe you know take control of their lives and recognize they're a lion. How and why does it continue? Because people like power and money. This is the nature of the universe. And the same thing for all of us, even us, you know, but ultimately you have to read a book why beautiful people have more daughters. I don't remember the author, but ultimately it's only for reproduction because reproduction is all that matters. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's a very, very interesting take. And uh, yeah, I agree that, um, that the fact is that most people are um, habituated or in inculcated into a paradigm where um, eating foods that don't make them feel and don't healthy and don't thrive is is just the norm and I think a lot of people are just so used to that to, to feeling so average it's almost like the glasses are dirty and and you can't remember about when they were last clean um, and going on an elimination diet is like in my mind cleaning those glasses and and really allowing um, allowing someone to see again. So I, I really encourage and echo all, all your your statements, Dr. K, about using yourself as an experiment because at the end of the day, any kind of clinical trial, observational trial, epidemiological research is not going to be 
uh, externally valid to you as an individual. And you're never going to be able to to do that extremely high um, high fidelity, high um, uh, mo- modular experiment that is your elimination and reintroduction diet. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really echo those those calls to use yourself as as a, an experiment. Occam's razor says the simple answer is the one. You're looking for a scientist or a politician or someone to tell you the answer. Um, and you're the only one that's going to find it. And you got to go out there and do something hard. And I like your analogy of cleaning your glasses. Carnivore, one meal a day is just clar- clarifies the mind and you feel more vibrant and energetic. And you can say no to the food more easily when your brain is like, wow, I feel it, right? And, and so I call science and data snake oil and doo-doo. If you're waiting for any scientist to tell you, well, I figured it out, you're, you're going to wait till the end of your life. It ain't there. Because even these randomized prospective studies that prove that meat is good is all bunk. And I, I don't mean to be, be sort of disrespectful to anyone because even on a plant-based diet, you can actually be healthy if you add the fat and eat less frequently and cook it and prepare it in a way that it minimizes the toxins. But the carnivore way is the 5% top of the line. That's the master class, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's kind of fun. This is so fun to talk about. You know, again, I've got my beliefs. You've got your beliefs. We all hold our own beliefs, but it gives us something to talk about because otherwise, if we all believed in the same thing, it'd be kind of boring. It would. And it's it's funny how both of us who have both gone through decades of medical school and high university both agree that the research underlying basically the entire nutritional um, uh, recommendations is very, very poor quality and is is not valid or robust enough to be basing um, individuals' health recommendations, let alone whole populations. So again, it's about looking at what is good for you as an individual and it's a it's almost a it's a spiritual point and i know dr k that you 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 have a spiritual following and a spiritual aspect i mean spirituality is about changing ourselves first and i really love how improving that our diet might be the first entry point for people to kind of develop more spiritually because they lift that veil of brain fog and they lift they clean their glasses um metaphorically speaking I think that's one of the most important things that we don't talk about in the the nutritional world is faith in God. And God is within all of us. And each person has their own vision of God. But I think it's important to honor God in, in everyone and everything and have faith first. I would say faith first, fertile fatty foods to really develop the, the fitness and the fertility of your life. And it's not just about making babies. It's about a reproductive life. And Everyone is capable of hard. Everyone. There's no deal. You got a pulse. You can you can fog a, a, a mirror when you breathe. You're alive. You're capable of anything and everything. And that's the part I think we have to have fun in this in this this keto carnivore nutritional health and wellness world. And that's one of the things that doctors are kind of negative Nellies. Yeah, you know, it's oh, you don't look so good. Oh, your blood pressure. You're this or that. Like, how you doing? Like, you look great. Amazing matter size or shape or whatever it is. And you know, your blood pressure, let's work on it. Maybe, maybe I've heard of this thing called carnivore. If you've ever heard this stuff, maybe you should try it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, it's empowering. And I really like that. That's a great place to kind of wrap this conversation up is we're both about empowering you as a patient and all, all our listeners. Yeah. It's about empowering you with information and the, the ability to discover that level of, of thriving that you're entitled to and that you you were born to um and that has you haven't been able to access up till now but um yeah i I really encourage everyone to 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 follow kind of try dr k's approach um see how you feel and and just don't dismiss it out of hand or don't um do don't, don't make a judgment before trying um any any parting thoughts dr k well, Max, I just want to uh, tell you and all your listeners and watchers that I really appreciate what you're doing 
and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And, and everyone is empowered to be themselves. And, and uh, the more you are listening and learning and watching, creating yourself, uh, the more j- enjoyment out of life you're, you're going to, you're going to find. And hard uh, is, is something everyone's capable of doing. But uh, again, gratitude is the attitude and I'm grateful to you. So thank you for inviting me on today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, Dr. K. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening to the Regenerative Health Podcast. I hope this episode helped you better understand some aspect of improving your lifestyle for optimal health. If you enjoyed this episode, then share it out with friends and family. Leaving a five-star review on Apple or Spotify podcasts also helps spread the message. Thank you and see you next time.